Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a great treat for you today. My friend, Jim Butler. Now, Jim is a unique individual. He's a business owner in West Virginia. Owns his own excavating company. But Jim is a much more than that. And we're going to get into that. Jim has been a former House of Delegates member in the state of West Virginia. For those of you not familiar with our political system, that is our House of Representatives, so to speak. So Jim has served in the House of Delegates and is uh, poised and on track to go back again this January 2023. And uh, it is an honor today. Jim is also a United States Marine Corps veteran. And so, again, we thank him for his service. But we're going to have a two-part conversation this morning. This morning, we're going to get into Jim's beliefs, and, and we're going to talk about the state of current affairs. In the second part of this conversation we're going to talk about Jim's story and his life and his service. So it's my honor to welcome my friend, Jim Butler, to the Intentional Courage Podcast. Jim, how are you this morning? Doing great. Great to be here, and thanks for the invitation. Listen, you and I have talked. It's my honor. You and I have talked numerous times. I have filled in, as most people know here, and Tom's been a guest on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Your friend and mine, Tom Roten, who does a morning talk show in our area, You've been on gobs of times with Tom and uh, how you and I got connected was through a, a friend of ours who's been a guest on this this podcast, Marshall Wilson. Uh, I was hosting one morning and I, I'd had you on once before and Marshall said, you've got to have Jim on. He, he, needs, he needs to talk about what you're talking about. And I said, well, I had Jim's number and then I lost somehow. I lost your number, but we got reconnected through that service is very important to you so let's start there and, and we talk about the buzzword is the ways to serve a community and things like that and service is very important to you obviously with your marine corps background and things like that i want to go here to start our conversation why is service in your mind seeming to be slipping among our society today because you go to a restaurant and, and I know they're scrambling for employees and things like that. And you hear people say, well, the service just wasn't as good as it was this last time. You go to the grocery store or things like that. From your prism, Jim, why do you think service is slipping in our society today? 
Well, that's that's a great question. Um, I suppose I, it's probably partly because people are we have this sense of entitlement in our country now. Um, people think that they're entitled to uh, to free everything. They're entitled to free education. They're entitled to free free food, free housing. Um, and I think that people oftentimes think they're entitled to a job where um, even as a small business owner myself now, I'm appreciative of any job that I can get. And it's, and actually, I, I have been blessed. I've had to turn down a lot of work recently, but it's very difficult to turn work down because I'm because I'm so appreciative of someone even asking me to do the work. So I think a lot of it is just uh, the uh, the attitude that uh, our country have, and especially our young people, that they're entitled to a lot of things. And even the even the term entitled is not something that I heard a whole lot when I was growing up, and you probably didn't either. But now yeah. it's you know, everyone's entitled to everything. It seems like, well, Jim, as I, as we record this podcast, I am up in the Buffalo, New York area. I'm about 20 minutes away from, as we record this podcast, a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, there was a horrific shooting at a tops grocery store up here. And you still see reminders in the community. And I was, I was watching the news or actually I was eating lunch yesterday after I, after I got in here and, they were talking about the last of the the 10 people that had been shot and killed in that grocery store was laid to rest yesterday. And, and again, as we record this in, in May of in the first day of June in 2022, so I'm going to kind of timestamp this a little bit, but again, I love what you're saying there is, is that the folks that work at that grocery store will never be the same. Some of them may decide, Hey, I, I'm not going to work here anymore. I want to do something different. I want to go somewhere else and work, you know. And 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 in that case, it's understandable because they they might have witnessed something horrific and things like that. But you're exactly right. My dad always taught us, and and I I want to get your perspective on it. My dad always said, if somebody does something for you, you say thank you. It didn't matter if I was ten or if I was forty. You know, when my I was forty when my dad died. He was like, hey, son, somebody does something for you, you say thank you. It feels like, Jim, though, I, I love where you're going with this with entitlement. You have seen that in your role in government where folks feel like we're entitled to this or they may lobby you as a House of Delegates member and say, now, remember, you know, we're, we're doing this for the children or we're doing this for that. Why do you think entitlement continues to be so pervasive is it because we've just gotten used to entitlement? And maybe I'm not asking that question correctly, but I love where you're going with this about the entitlement piece because it just feels like from we're being told, and I'm not trying to make this political, it's just the way it is, is from the top down, we should expect a handout. You've seen it at far different levels than I have. Where How do we put the brakes on entitlement? Oh goodness! I I think uh, to put the brakes on it, we have to have a realistic expectation of what of what others can do. And and in the case of you know talking about my uh, service in the House of, House of Delegates and and other and other forms of politician, you know the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House is candidates. We've done this to ourselves to a large extent that. Uh, you get someone running for office and trying to get elected and you promise the world and you say, I'm going to fix this and I'm going to fix that. And 
and even you know coming down to the to the whole COVID thing, I think this was a lot of the reason we ended up doing masks, which we all know uh, are pretty certain. That, you know the uh, the evidence shows we're not effective, and even the vaccines were not as effective as they promised. But from from a political point of view and a social point of view, our leaders, uh, people running for office, promise to fix everything. We promise to keep you healthy. So when a pandemic comes up, then you expect us to do something. Or from my point of view here, we have, uh, during my campaign, roads was a big issue. So I I talked to people, I'm gonna to try to prioritize spending toward fixing our roads. I'm very careful not to promise to fix our roads because I know that that is not, uh, is not realistic. All I can do is work with the other 133 legislators to, to do these types of things. So um, I think kind of kind of bringing it full circle, I think that people are feel entitled because they have a lot of unrealistic promises made to them every, every two years or even more frequently than that. Jim, I love what you said there because, and, and we've got a lot of salespeople, we've got a lot of business leaders that listen to the podcast and 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 you you just hit on something really important there. You hit on the 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 promises of trying to get elected, or the promises that a lot of salespeople make in trying to get business, or the promises that um, that people make. Hey, if you'll stay with our company, we'll give you a X amount of dollar raise. You know, we don't want you mm -hmm. to leave. They're promises right. that we make that that we make them and, and hope we have to kick that can down the road instead mm -hmm. of doing what you, you know, my dad always, and I refer to, to, the, to my upbringing, my dad always told me, if you say it, own it. And I wrote that mm -hmm. in my book. If you say, you know, my dad would always say, if you say it, own it. And my dad would punish me more for lying than he would for getting into a fight or anything like that because my dad valued people's word. And Jim, I love what you said there. When when you entered politics, I'm going to go here for a second. When you entered politics, did it surprise you that people would tell you, now you've got to say certain things and you've got to do certain things to get elected? Did it surprise you or did you kind of go into the process with your eyes wide open to those things? Well, I guess it surprised me to some extent. Um I never had anyone saying you need to promise this or you need to promise that, but I did have, we went to candidate training and, and actually the West Virginia Farm Bureau did the job of doing candidate training back when I first ran it. And I don't think they do this anymore in West Virginia, but to be careful about the things that you talk about, because remember that the, the, you, someone who's involved in politics and knows all the details, you're the, I think they said 8% or something like that. They said most people don't follow politics. They don't know anything about policy. So don't try to talk to them about detail. Don't try to talk to them about the big issues like femininity and personal property rights and all those types of, of big constitutional type uh, issues. They said talk to them about jobs, talk to them about putting more money in their paycheck and, and those types of things. So, um, and in the five or six races I've ran, and now you see this repeatedly and all it's taught to do is to, uh, to talk 
almost talk down to constituents rather than trying to bring them up and, and help them to understand the issues and, and the things that we can really do to make things better. You know, I, I love what you said there. And, and again, the interactions that I've had with you over over the last few years, you you don't strike me as a as a talk down to kind of person, and 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 the re and I want to and I say that as a compliment because I've always known you to be very effective in your words, very easily understood in your words. That that you know anybody who listens to you speak understands what you're saying, and I think a lot of times, Jim, and I love what you said there. We do this in business. We do this in politics. We do this in a lot of things is we try to overcomplicate something or what I would say is we try to dazzle people with our fancy verbal footwork, you know, mm -hmm. instead of just coming out and saying, here's what I mean, here's what I say. And I bring the two together for clear communication. And, and to me that is, that's so, I, I love what you said there about, well, you know, let's not talk to people about what really matters. Let's talk to people about what, what we think matters. You know, jobs, right. more money in their paycheck. Listen, I've said this. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise. But if that doesn't work... I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.card.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Jim, and I want to get your take on this. I have said this a lot of times, and I'll say it again here. My provision doesn't come from Charleston, West Virginia. My provision doesn't come from Washington, D.C. There is no government leader that called me this morning and said, Brian, would you please go to work today? Would you please get up and go to work today so you can pay your taxes and do the things you need to do? Because I know at the end of the day, Jim, and this is no slight to you or the other members of the House of Delegates in the state of West Virginia, all good men and women in their own right to some degree. And I know many of them, as you, as obviously you know many of them. But if we're waiting on promises from anybody, I don't care if it's your employer or anybody, if you're waiting on those promises to be able to do what you need to do, you're going to be waiting a long time. And I think we've forgotten the important things of life. We've forgotten the, you know, that really what's important is what guys like you went and fought for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes. So why is it, and I want to get your take here if I could for just a minute. Why is it that it feels like that people are, are moving away from politics? We're, we're sick of politics. Is it because people are, are, you know, that some politicians are trying to 
overspeak their constituents and say things over their heads or why what you you're kind of on you're on the inside what do you hear from folks as as to their disdain for the political process oh uh, well most of the people who talk to me about politics are are on the conservative side of the spectrum probably like the people you're talking to and and but i think this is true on both sides even even on the liberal side but for conservatives that i speak to i hear things like we really worked hard to get the re- get a republican majority we really worked hard to get this sometimes it's an individual i'm sorry an individual elected so we really worked hard to do these things hey and jim expect- i trip over my own feet verbally a lot of times <laughs> don't worry about it okay but you know, people say we re- we really worked hard, or we put ourselves out on the line, or even just something as simple as putting a campaign sign out in the yard and saying that you're a good person, that you're going to do what you say you're going to do, and then and then we let them down continuously. And I think part of that is because we we overpromise. We think we're going to be able to do a lot of things, and we get elected, and we realize the opposition is tougher than what we thought. And then other times, I think it's because we purposely. And I, I definitely try not to do this, but we, pur- we, we purposely, in some cases, promise that we're going to um, fix things or make things better for people, knowing that once you get into that Capitol building and in Charleston, it's this way. And I can't imagine how it must be at the U.S. Capitol, but that really the people calling the shots in many cases are the lobbyists who are getting exactly what they want. Yeah, and and I had a conversation with somebody recently about that same thing and they were complaining about something and I said you have to understand it's it's way above you it's that particular entity got the right to lobby at the state level it wasn't anything in our state it was people coming to that state that particular state capital and lobbying over that issue and I love what you said there Jim and 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 that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because you break things down so simply, and I've always admired that about you. You're you are a very simple, not a simple man, but you you state things to where everybody can understand them. And Jim, it and, and I'm not folks. I'm not trying to make this political. I want you to kind of understand why you may be feeling some of the frustrations you may be feeling. You say, "Well, Brian is supposed to be about encouragement." It is understanding opens up encouragement if you understand you can do something or you understand something you're encouraged better if i know how to fix a if i knew how to fix a car i'd be more encouraged to fix a car you know if i knew how to run a bulldozer like jim does i'd be more encouraged to do more dozer work i'm not trying to compete with him (laughs) i'm just saying doing it on the side but jim i i feel like and i love where you've taken us today in this conversation because We've got to get back, even in our government, about doing things simply to to help the people understand the process. Instead, it's, it, it feels like there's more rhetoric and things like that. There's more rhetoric than results and things like that. And so let me go here for just a second. I'll pivot here for just a second. When you think about the gravity of serving the, the people, your constituents, Take me through a typical day in Jim Butler's life around serving your constituents and things like that. I know when you're in, in, in the state of West Virginia, our legislature 
is in session for 60 days from the middle of January to the middle of March. And so we have, we have part-time legislators here that, that have businesses and have jobs and families and things like that. When you're in session, take me through a typical day in the life of, of Jim Butler, because I don't think many people understand a day in the life of a public servant. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting that you, and, and you're, and you're correct to break it down to during the 60 day legislative session. And then the time that we're not in session, it's, it's completely different, but during the session, we're basically at the Capitol every day. Um, we can be there even Saturdays and Sundays, typically in the beginning, we're not though, but so you show up in the morning and usually you have an, an early committee meeting where you have 25 people in a committee and you talk about an issue. And again, we're getting back to where the lobbyists have a lot of influence there because the lobbyists are on the same schedule that those of us who are serving are. So they're actually sitting in the committee meetings with us and uh, they're, not, uh, they're not participating in the committee meeting per se in the sense that, that voting and so forth, but they can be called as witnesses and they can, they can catch us as we're, as we're going into a meeting or something like that. So you have you know, a special interest groups and, and a special interest group is not necessarily a bad thing. It could be a special interest group, you know, for a pro-life issue per se, which I would call a good group, but you can also have the people on the opposite side, uh, you know, the, the pro-abortion side on there. So, so you are, all of us are influenced as we walk in the meeting room for, to consider legislation and we're, we're influenced by these people as they're called up to testify sometimes. And, uh, and when we vote, we are, we are influenced by these same special interest groups, the lobbyists by, um, uh, they'll pat us on the back, say, we appreciate your vote on that. Or if you vote against them, then they say, you know, we're going to work to defeat you next time sometimes. So, well, and Jim, so those things can get tense. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm sitting there thinking as you were talking, you know, that, that, that can create some tension in your day. You've already heard from your constituents, maybe when you, they saw you in the grocery store or they saw you right. somewhere and, and, and people do come up to you. I would assume quite a bit when you're out and say, Hey, what about this? Or what about that? So you've got all these things you're carrying in your mind anyway, and you've got people then that, that basically, for all intents and purposes, are going, hey, let me hijack 10 minutes of your time here to talk about my issue and, and things like that. And forgive me for interrupting. It just strikes me as it seems like a lot to carry. And we haven't even gotten to probably, what, 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning in a typical day? <laughs> right. 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 And that's, and that's the case. And, and I'm glad you brought up that people talk to us in the grocery stores because that's what we, that's what I expect anyway. And I hope all my, all my fellow legislators expect that is to be interrupted when we're at your grocery store or even at church. When I go to church, people say, oh, I'm sorry to talk to you about this at church. And I say, hey, that's, that's why I'm here. We all sign up for this. But, uh, you know, going back to the typical day, uh, assuming you want to go there. So, so after the committee meeting, then um, so normally we're all on six or seven committees or something like that. So we finish that committee meeting, we vote on an issue and it, it either passes or fails. And if it passes, it goes on to the, to the floor where it can actually be passed by the whole, the whole legislature. Um, but you know, so 
we have that first meeting in the morning and then we go to the second meeting and the second meeting might be about roads or, you know, it's a, it's a different issue and you have the same type of thing going on. You have lobbyists, uh, you know, in your ear or uh, sitting next to you trying to influence you to vote a certain way. And um, also during the day, we have caucus meetings. We have the Republican group will get together and talk about what our agenda might be and where we are on issues. And, and the Democrats, I'm sure they're doing the same thing. So um, I guess the thing I wanted to kind of bring out in all of that is, and, and this is where I really strive to be different, is when you get in that Capitol building for those 60 days, we're, we're almost... Um, we're inundated and we're almost isolated from the people we, we represent. And I think sometimes people forget, it's easy to forget who you really represent. We, and you get the sense that, hey, I'm representing this person from this whatever association, this lobbying group, rather than representing the, the old lady that you talk to at church on Sunday. So, you know, I yeah. would have to think too, that what people don't see as well too, is the sacrifices that your family makes to be able to have you do what you do because and and here's the society that that we that we're in today jim the society we're in today is they talk about you on tv they talk about you on the radio they talk about you on social media you know, and you may be out front on a controversial issue and you may be on the other side but you feel strongly and purposefully no i i don't want to support this i'm not comfortable supporting this whatever that issue may be and then your you, you know your family has to hear about it and and p other people hear about it i would I, I'm, I'm maybe i'm assuming here i'm just knowing bits and pieces of of people that i know that have that have served in the same capacity that you have served in and and will serve again in the future how do you keep you you talk about isolation and i love that and i don't think people really think about that so let's talk about it from this perspective how do you keep your family isolated from the work that you're trying to do for the people to where it's not affecting them and it's not affecting them emotionally or physically or things like that how do you put that separation in place for your family oh great question I, I, I suspect that other legislators handle this differently, but I have never isolated my family from what's going on with me. I've, uh, my kids now are 18 and 21 years old, but uh, they were young. They were 10, 12 years old uh, when I first ran for office and even younger than that when I first got involved in politics. And, and I've always talked with my children about issues and my, and my wife has been politically active and she understands the issues. So if I go to a, if I have a, a good or a bad day, I come home and I talk with my family, even when the kids were young, about the committee meetings and the kind of decisions that we're making. And they understand what's going on and, and they understand that uh, sometimes I'm going to catch some heat for the decisions I make. And, um, and I've always told my kids, too, that I don't expect them to agree with me, but I would appreciate uh, if, they dis if they do disagree that they explain why. And I'm actually getting their perspective, another way of looking at it if they do disagree. But most of the times, once I explain the reasons I've making decisions that I am, then uh, most of the time they do dis they do agree. And my daughter being 18 years old now, she's considering a, 
a profession in law as a child advocate or something like that, and maybe even getting into lobbying at some point. And my son is at the U.S. Naval Academy, so uh, they both uh, they both have pretty uh, they have different personalities, but they're both pretty solid on what they believe and um, have become great adults. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Jim, let me ask you this, and, and again, I, I, I started to go here. I was thinking about what you were talking about, but I want to go here real quick. How do you encourage people to believe in the political process when what we see around us can cause discouragement, very easily could cause discouragement? Um, let, me, let me shelve that for just a minute. Forgive me. I'm I'm throwing you a curveball. I, I apologize, but I, I right. think you can hit it. You you've taken enough questions from Tom Roten over the years. You you're just you can handle just about anything. Let me ask you this: If I said Jim Butler, I'm going to put you in in the White House for a day, and you could fix anything you wanted to fix, you could do anything that you wanted to do. You've got 24 hours to try to make as much impact as you can. Where are you starting? And would it be, you know, most people would say, well, put me in there. I, I, yeah, I'll do a better job than, than whoever's in there. I don't know that people would really want that responsibility. But if I said, Jim Butler, you've got 24 hours to make an impact. Where are you starting? Oh, wow. That's, that's a humongous question. Um, I think I think where a lot of our presidents have fallen short, I guess, so to where I would try to be different is I would try to involve people in the process and, and maybe a, do a better job of educating people about the things we're talking about right now. Our, uh, our founding fathers were incredible, and I do think that they were uh, inspired by God to come up with that, with our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, and then our Constitution. So... And I think that if we followed the Constitution, if, if in, at all levels of government, if we followed our Constitution, that things would be so much better and people would not be so frustrated even because they would be they would be involved in the decisions that are made on their behalf and they would uh, they would know that we're following the rule of law rather than following the rule of whoever has the most political campaigns. And 
and I'm kind of throwing you a curveball here now. I think that a lot of the reason we have these uh, the recent mass shootings and things like that and, and big problems in society, a lot of the, the, the destructive protests and those types of things are because people are so frustrated because they don't feel like they're being heard or that they are involved uh you know that we have this concept in west or in in west virginia but also obviously the u.s of equal justice under the law equal justice under the law that doesn't mean you put one group in front of the other it means we're all equal and and our founding documents are supposed to uh, guarantee that and when they don't then sometimes all you can do is lash out because you have no remedy for your grievance if you're not if if your leaders are not following your founding documents yeah no you 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 led beautifully you led perfectly right where i wanted to go to finish our conversation is the frustrations of the people and you're you're 100 percent right when people don't feel like they're heard it's like our kids they they start to do things when they don't feel like they're getting paid attention to or things like that and, it, and it, for a lot of parents, it's a wake-up call to say, well, I've, I've got to do a better job here or this and that. So, Jim, mm -hmm. as we finish our conversation, this part of our conversation, what would be your intentional encouragement to folks around believing in the political process? Because to your point, it, it's, it's broken. It's fundamentally broken. And I love where you took us there, and you so beautifully transitioned to where I wanted to go anyway. So what would be your encouragement to folks around believing in the ideology of this country as it was founded one nation under god indivisible that's supposed to be in our our pledge of allegiance but we're pretty divided so we're, we're, what encouragement would you have for folks around believing in the political process well, I would say that there are there are several instances, and you may have to actually look for them or, or talk with people to get the details, but there are instances where one or two people really do make a positive change or that you have a group that has that really brings um, that really brings the focus back to better policy for our state and uh, I just using myself for an example here, uh, not to toot my own horn too much, but I'm just like I'm. I still am just a typical, uh, typical American. What I'd call a typical American, and that's that's a good thing. I think you know I get up every morning and figure out how I'm going to pay my bills, go to work, and um, and raise a family, or you know help raise a family along with my wife. And I was able to at a grassroots level get involved in politics several years ago and 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 win several elections actually and usually being outspent two to one but uh doing the legwork and and out talking with people in the community to get to get elected and i've helped uh, a good friend of mine jonathan pinson and some others to get elected the same way that where typical people your common everyday person is is out making a difference and the encouragement, I think, is that if as people get more and more involved, then then the uh, we can make a bigger and bigger impact on the policies and really make things change things so that government becomes uh, an entity that serves the people rather than an entity. You know, I think a lot of times government now, the people are serving government where it should be the other way around. Government should be serving people.
Boy, I love that. And and again, that's what our founding fathers said is, you know, we are, you know, everybody uses the term public servant, but you're correct. It's more times of, of the people serving the government rather than the government. I, I love that. What a beautiful way to end this part of the conversation. Jim, if folks want to get connected with you, if they want to find out, they, they, they're, maybe they're listening to, to us in another state or you know, we have some folks that listen internationally. What's the best way to get connected with you and, and just see more of what you're doing to try to make a difference in, in your community, in your world? Well, um, probably the, the easiest is, is social media. I'm, I check Facebook about every day and my personal page is just simply Jim Butler. And then I have uh, Jim Butler for House of Delegates in the 18th District because I am still a candidate. I haven't won this election. I won the primaries, but I still have to win the election in November. So again, it's Jim Butler for House of Delegates, 18th District. Uh, I don't restrict the posts on there. People can post pretty much whatever they want and, and of course, mess, you know, send a message or something like that. And uh, I've always given out my home phone number. It's uh, 304-675-3984. Three zero four six seven five three nine eight four, and you'd be surprised that you would think a lot of people would call, but not a lot do. And once in a while, I get a a, a, a positive call, and sometimes I get a negative call. But uh, usually, people are, are respectful. Well, I can't wait for the second part of our conversation to tell your story, and and that's the next episode of the Intentional Courage Podcast. Jim, what a pleasure it's been today to have you, and I so appreciate your time. All right. Glad to be on. Thank you. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.